Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. Interesting, I was preparing a sermon a week ago and then I've had this communication with some people about this whole concept of the Sabbath. Verse 17, for these rules are not are only shadows, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels, saying that they have had visions about these things. Their sinful minds have made them proud. And they are not connected to Christ, the head of the body, for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments, and it grows as God nourishes it. So I want to talk about coming out of the shadows. And um, first of all, let's talk about shadows. How are shadows formed? Right? A quick Google. And two ways shadows are formed. Right? (laughs) First thing, a shadow is formed on a surface when something stands between a light and the surface. Right? That's how a shadow is formed. So if a person stands between light and the surface, you see the shadow of that person. Right? Um... The laws and the rituals were meant to be that shadow of Christ. It was meant to foreshadow Christ. Everything that was done, you look at the tabernacle, you look at the temple, and you look at, you look at the laws, they were supposed to give you the shape of Christ, what he would look like, what the Messiah would look like, what the Messiah was going to fulfill. What was the, so you, they were meant to know, and immediately if they had seen Christ, they should have recognized him. Because for centuries they've been obeying the law and living the rituals. Right? So the laws and rituals in the Old Testament were meant to be shadows of Christ, symbolic representation of the things to come, symbolic acts that had spiritual meaning, spiritual experiences attached to them. Right? Now the sacrificial offerings didn't just begin during Moses' time. It was way before that. Who do you think was the first person who offered sacrifices to the Lord? Abraham. Abraham? Abel. Abel? Abel is the first recorded person who, Cain and Abel were the first recorded people to offer sacrifices. Where do you think they learned it from? Probably from their mom and dad. It didn't just come to them, right? As they were growing up, they would have seen mom and dad offer sacrifices to the Lord. All right? And so we know for sure that Abel offered a sacrifice worthy of acceptance. Right? Um, what about tithing? Who was the first to tithe? tithe? Moses. Moses? Abraham. Oh, yes, scholar, man. <laughs> the first recorded person to tithe was Abraham. Right? So where am I going with this? I'm saying that way before Moses brought the laws and the rituals and the festivals, way before that, the people of God had already got this concept. There were already shadows that were revealed to them on the coming Messiah. And they began to live their lives connected to this one who would come and save the world. Right? I don't have... 
uh, time to take you to the scriptures in the book of Hebrews. But all I'm saying is the laws and the rituals. Well, I'm not saying that. Paul is saying that. The laws and rituals of the Old Testament were meant to be silhouettes foreshadowing the coming of Christ. Now, the other way a shadow is formed is when, when something is preventing light from reaching that place. You've got a big building in front of your house. Some parts of your house are not going to get the sun, right? And that poor room is going to be cold. And then if you don't take care, it's going to be moldy. Am I right? Why? Because there's no sun coming in. Why? Because that gentleman out there had more money and built a triple-story building. And my little hut is now covered with the shadow of that big building. Unfortunately, as time went on, men began to look at the laws of God, all right? And it became a shadow that was preventing the light from coming into the people's lives. And that's what Paul was getting at, all right? Instead of foreshadowing Christ, the interpretations of the laws and rituals of man came to the point they were blocking Christ from the people. Blocking Christ, right? The laws became a stumbling block and a hindrance to God when he was meant to actually allow them to come to the presence of God. So Paul was speaking about this when he said that all these religious requirements stood between us and God and was casting a shadow, right? The message puts it this way in verse 17. All those things are mere shadows cast before what was to come. The substance is Christ. King James says, Christ is the substance, right? New Living Translation says, Christ is the reality. So what are these shadows Paul were talking about? Well, firstly, let me say this. Shadows, right, that Paul was talking about, these shadows Paul was talking about was these things that were presented as supplements. You know what supplements are? In addition to Christ, right? Um, so these men were coming and teaching them that it's wonderful that you believe in Christ. That's good. It's a good starting point. Now you need to be circumcised. Now you need to follow the law. Now you need to follow the festivals and the days of remembrances, right? Otherwise, you cannot continue your salvation. So they were saying, Jesus is wonderful, but he's not enough. You need supplements. You know, nowadays they say that it's not enough the food that we're eating, not enough nutrition in it, so you need to get some supplements. Well, I want to say this. This Jesus plus theology is a dangerous theology. To think that we need more than just Jesus to live our Christian lives. Right? And that's what Paul was getting at. Right? The Jesus plus supplement. Right? You need to do these things beyond believing in Jesus. Those were the shadows that he was talking about. He, he calls them the commandments and doctrines of men. Look at verse, I'm going to read verse 20 to 23. You have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? You know, sometimes in our preaching, we can get to the don't do this, don't do that. Um, you know, kind of preaching. 
and um, everybody's looking at, then what should I do? All right? Um, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. Look at the words he's using, right? Mere human teachings. They seem wise. You know why they seem wise? Because they require something. We live our lives if you just tell me what to do, right? Give me, give me a set of rules. Ten ways to get rich. People buy the book, right? Ten ways you guarantee you, your husband will be a good man. Guess what you're getting for your birthday, Craig? <laughs> Require, you know, it requires strong devotion, pious self-denial, bodily discipline. What it's really saying is, look at me, I'm doing holy. Look at me, I'm doing holy. Right? The dietary laws, the religious observances um, that we see in verse 16. Right? It says, don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, for not celebrating certain holy days or the new moon ceremonies or the Sabbaths. Right? Look at me, I'm doing all these things. I must be pious. Look at me, I'm following all this religiously. I must be holy. Right? There's this... Um, lately, there's this, it's circulating around. They're talking about whether church should meet on a Saturday or a Sunday. You know, it's going around everywhere. Um, I had a conversation with a couple that was deeply concerned why are we um, worshipping on a Sunday and not a Saturday? Because it says here in this pamphlet that um, it all changed during Emperor um, Constantine's time. And um, the Roman Catholic Church and Emperor Constantine got together and they changed it to Sunday, which is a pagan worship day, you know. And so if you're not worshipping on a Saturday, you are not really obeying the commandments of God. But that's exactly what Paul was trying to hit at. Right? Imagine, now, my son lives here in Taranga. He doesn't live with us. But most Thursdays, he'll pop in and have dinner with us. Say one day, he decided to just come visit us on a Tuesday. And somebody stood outside the door and said, oh, no, no, it's not... It's not Thursday. You can't visit your mom and dad on Tuesday. You have to only come here on Thursday. He'll look at them and say, you crazy man, get outside. You know why? Because my home, our home is his home. He can come anytime he wants. He can raid the fridge. He can raid the um, pantry. He can do whatever he wants. My home is his home. And he knows that because he's lived with us for all his life nearly. Right? Can you imagine Father God and what He feels when we put restrictions on people on what day they can come to worship or what hour they can come to worship, right? Do you see where I'm going with this? And that's where Paul was going at. 
He's saying you're bringing these rules and regulations and instead of putting bridges so that people can come hurriedly towards God, you're building walls and preventing them from coming to God. But he says this, after your pious works, after you live like this, right? After doing all these things, you're still fighting the demons of anger. You're still fighting the demons of lust. You're still fighting the demons of unforgiveness. You're still fighting the demons of bitterness. Why? Because those things cannot transform us. Only a person can. And his name is Jesus Christ. So the problem with chasing after shadows is they present a faulty image of God. And then suddenly God becomes mere illusion. And so people doing all these things and still cannot experience God. No wonder they walk away. That's why Paul was attacking this situation. Because he's saying these are only shadows. The substance is Christ. Let me take you to... um, Well, so what do we do? Get rid of the shadows. How do you get rid of the shadows? My first point is this. Remove the middleman. That's how you get rid of the shadows. Remove the middleman. Who's the middleman here? The fellow standing now and preaching to you. I'm getting myself out of a job. <laughs> Remove the middleman. What do I mean by that? Right? Paul uses these phrases. Let no one judge you. Let no one cheat you. What he's saying. Don't let someone else dictate to you how you go to God. Don't let someone else dictate to you how you come to your father's throne. Don't let someone else dictate to you how you embrace Jesus Christ. Don't let anyone cheat you of this great freedom that you have in God. Right? Hebrews chapter 8. Let me take you to this. I'm going to read a few verses there. I hope you don't mind. Even if you do, I've got the mic. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 8. And we're going to read from verse 6 to 13. All right? Hebrews 8. But now, Jesus, our high priest, has been given a ministry that is far superior to the old priesthood. For he is the one who mediates for us a far better covenant with God, based on better promises. If the first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no need for a second covenant to replace it. But when God found fault with the people, take note of this, the covenant wasn't faulty. What happened was, when people began to reinterpret the covenant, that's when the covenant became faulty. Right? It became faulty coming through a filtered system. So he says, when God found fault with the people, he said, the day is coming, says the Lord, and this is Fantastic, guys. This is probably a very exciting verse. After we read this, we should all go home rejoicing. But don't. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors. When I took them by the hand, led them out of the land of Egypt, they did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on the day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds. 
I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. They will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives saying, you should know the Lord. Everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. And I will forgive their wickedness. I will never again remember their sins. When do you think that happened? On the cross. In two weeks time we'll celebrate that. It happened on the cross. When Jesus said, enough. Now, no more mediators. No more people coming between me. And in fact, the context of that Hebrew passage is, no more priests. Jesus will be the high priest. Now you go directly to Christ. Right? And this is why the importance of what Paul is trying to say to us. There should not be anything or any need for, for an in-between, a mediator or a, medi- uh, a, a middleman. Christ Jesus is your direct access to the Father. It is all Jesus. Christ is a substance. No supplements required. Paul uses these words in Colossians. We are circumcised in him. In other words, no need circumcision anymore. We are buried with him. In other words, you don't have to die. You're already dead. We are made alive together with him. I don't have to rise up. I'm already risen because he has risen from the dead. That's why we celebrate Good Friday. That's why we celebrate Easter. They tell me it's a pagan festival. Well, I'm glad pagans want to celebrate Christ's death on the cross for our sins. I'm glad pagans want to celebrate that on the third day he rose from the dead. Welcome. May they come and join us and celebrate. But we will celebrate Good Friday. And we will tell the world that Jesus Christ has died for our sins and has set us free. And we will tell the world that now he has removed the middleman. Anyone can go to the Father through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to verse 13 of Colossians 2. For he forgave all our sins. See, I'm wondering, do we truly know what Jesus did on the cross? Do you truly know the effect of the cross on your life? Paul is giving it to you. Colossians 2, 13 to 15. For he forgave all our sins. He cancelled the record of the charges against us. Do you know that? He cancelled all charges. You had speeding fines. You had um, murder accusations. I mean, you had all 10 sections of the law. You broke. You, not me. You. I broke the 11th one. That wasn't even there. But Paul is saying, he took all our charges and he cancelled it. And he nailed it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. In other words, my friends, my sins are forgiven. There is no more condemnation for me. 
There is no guilt, no shame. I walk direct access to my Father in heaven, and He will never reject me. 24-7, I have access to the Father through Jesus Christ, my Lord. That's a powerful thing. You are living in the shadows if you depend on any other source apart from Jesus Christ. He is sufficient. He is enough. He is the substance. He is the reality. No supplements required. So let me close with this. I want to take you to Galatians chapter 3. Just in case we forget. And if Paul was our pastor, this, these are the words he'd be using to us. See, I'm a kinder pastor. He's going to call us all fools. Just watch this. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1 to 7. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? Listen to this. Sometimes it sounds so good that we can do something to earn our salvation. Because we don't want to be indebted to anyone. Somebody gives me a bag of uh, beans and I say, oh, can I, can, I, can I give you something for this? You know, I was trained this way by my mom. If somebody gives us something in a container, when I return the container, I put back something in return. Right? I don't know whether you guys do that as well. Right? You can't do that with Jesus. You can't give him back something. There's nothing that you can give him. Am I right? And so we, it's, it is so enticing to think that we can do something to earn God's love. It's so spellbinding to think that I can fast and I become a better person. Or I read scriptures and I become holier. Don't get me wrong. Fasting, I fast a lot. I love fasting. It just gives me clarity in my mind. It helps me to, to sit and listen. All right? But fasting without spending time with Jesus is just starving. Right? Fasting and prayer are connected together. Why do we do that? Not to make us holy, but so that we can spend some time with the Lord. Right? Any discipline that you do is not to make you a better person. Anything you do is to draw you closer to Him. Right? And so He's saying to us, foolish, welcome bay members, especially your pastor, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be after starting your new lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I ask you again, does God give you the Holy Spirit and work miracles among you because you obey the law? Of course not. It is because you believe the message you heard 
about Christ. In the same way, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. The real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God. Have we put our faith in things we do? In our own effort? In things that are actually shadows? Could it be that we are not seeing the manifest presence of the Holy Spirit and the miracles that the early church experienced because we have become so driven by human effort in the way we do things for God? Maybe it's time to take a step back and start seeing a foolishness of trying to do something for God when all He requires of us is to believe. It's time to get out of the shadows. It's all Jesus. Christ is the substance. No supplements required. Real Christians put their faith in Him. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon podcast. For more resources, or if you would like to support this ministry, visit us at activefaith.org.nz.